You are now, now, now tuned into Progressive Action Radio, the most objective show in America. Hosted by Tramel Thompson, co-hosted by Jamel Wilson, and DJ Damage is on the wheels of steel. You will never know what to expect when thoughts and wisdom unite. People! Get ready. ready, ready. Progressive action is now live. Good evening. Another great day for Progressive Action Radio. What's going on, Cuz? I'm chilling. What's going on, Cuz? You know, chilling. You know, we we spoke to the stations department today. Yeah, I know. It was it was it was beautiful. Yeah, what an interesting time it was. Yeah, you know, um, the rally, October 13th, 10 a.m. in front of 2 Broadway. We not playing. We coming through. We coming to represent for the cleaners department. The cleaners deserve respect. Right or wrong? Of course. Everybody deserves respect, you know. That's the trade union uh, value to have, you know, and, and, and nobody should lose it, you yeah. know. We need to get the union to get that accept cleanest thing up out of the MOU. They one of us also. They shouldn't be separated from us. I don't like that word except for cleanest. Sixty percent. They on the total they're at the bottom of the uh, the list. Basically that's what they did to them, you know? Yes. That's exactly what they did. But today's show, we don't wanna we don't wanna um do a long intro. But we do want y'all to um tune into progressiveaction.info and progressive action on Instagram. But this show right here is a meeting of the minds. Yeah. We gonna let um Jamel into introduce the guests yeah this show is a meet um first of all good evening everybody and welcome back to progressive action this show is a is a meeting of the minds you know um our rally for october 13th in addition to the cleaners um you know getting respect it's also about uh a fair you know the membership winning a fair and just contract so uh basically what we're going to do here tonight is we're all going to sit here and we're going to talk about that. So back to progressive action for the millionth time we, tonight, this evening. We have Mr. Joseph Campbell. <laughs> okay. What's up, everyone? All right. And we have Mr. Harry Wills back to progressive action again. Good morning, everyone. How you doing? All right. And... We also have Mr. Anthony Staley from Stations Department back to Progressive Action again. Hello. Good evening, everybody. And last, but nobody's least in here, we have Mr. For the first time at Progressive Action, we have Mr. Al Jenkins at Progressive Action. Y'all, give it up. Good evening, everyone. All right. How's everybody doing this evening? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing great. How's everybody doing? How you All feeling, good. Harry? I'm, I'm great, brother. I'm great. I'm happy to be back here again with you fellas, just making it happen, making things move. Y'all are <laughs> causing a lot of havoc out there, yeah. changing some things. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, without havoc, there's a, there wouldn't be good change. You yeah, know? Exactly. Harry Will's got on a nice shirt. Oh, yeah. It he, says, Union Thugs Never Surrender. Oh, yeah. I, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Nice, very nice shirt, Harry. Yeah, I love it, too, man. When I, <clears throat> excuse me. When I saw the shirt, I... Uh, ordered immediately. Actually, got stickers for your cars and every damn thing. But it's a it's a beautiful thing because I feel like we've been surrendering for so long, and it's time for that to end. Yeah, that's that's what's that's up. Right. So we bring these people together because the contract is up in what two January? Months? How many months is that from now? Four, maybe less October, than four. Less than four. October, November, December, 
Ah, uh, yeah. So we go let them tell us what's important and what should we be fighting for. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, we're definitely, you know, we're all going to sit here. You know, everybody here is from different departments, which is beautiful. So basically, we're going to sit here and we're going to talk about uh, depart, you know, what the demands for each department, um, you know, the potential demands from each department and also main table. And then we're also going to just basically just dissect the current contract and the history of the contracts. And basically, we're just going to sit here and just conversate. You know, it's not going to be a straight question and answer type thing the way we usually do it, you know. So how are you feeling tonight, Al? I'm well, yourself? I'm doing all right. Can you introduce yourself to everybody and, and let them know what department you come from and who you are, what your credentials are? Okay, I'm Al Jenkins from Division of Supply Logistics, Chairman. And um, over the years, as far as the contract is concerned, I kind of feel that our department also has been treated as second-class individuals. And I'm hoping that we get some change as well. Okay, well, you know, it's funny. You know, these different departments are being treated like second-class citizens, but I'd like to know what departments in transit are treated like, uh, are treated with the first-class treatments, you know? Who's treated like Eddie Murphy and Coming to America, the, the, the king of Zamunda? Who's treated, <laughs> who's treated like that, you know? The maintainer titles. The maintainer titles? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I would say maintenance away, maintain the titles are doing uh, pretty good. Uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, I mean, if you look at the uh, when Samuelson was pushing so hard for the city to give to make their contribution to the capital budget plan, that was basically geared towards maintenance of way. But one of the things that he failed to mention is that so much of their work is going out to private contractors. So you're getting the money, and and I was looking at I was looking for one of the flyers that he had sent out there. And basically it talked about overtime, which is something that I would like to get into over later because too much of us is built too much of our salary is built on overtime. Okay. Let me ask you, Harry, what's what's this building that the union bought in the Bronx? You know about this union building that that's yeah, I've heard somewhat about it that there's uh, supposed to be a location that they brought in in uh uh what is it, something square? Um Westchester, Westchester Square. Westchester square. Westchester. You know about that, Joe? That's all I know. That there's a building in Westchester Square, and it was a five million dollar purchase, and it needs work. Okay, so so we're the rest of the twelve million now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we traded away a beautiful opportunity to to house our members and fight back against you know what we call what we, what we complain about um, you know rightfully so gentrification of the neighborhoods and and we just got rid of that huge beautiful property for a old beat up X factory um, that needs work. Now, I want to ask y'all a question, and anybody can answer. This union is, is to me, they bugging out. They having meetings in a, at a pub. Can somebody explain that to me? Well, McQuaid's is, uh, is a place that's been a longstanding uh, Samuelson's uh, location. Uh, from the beginning, when we ran with Take Back Our Union, that was the place that we met at all the time, of course. It brings them business because uh, people are ordering drinks and people are ordering food. Uh, I believe Samuelson has had several other events there since then, so I guess it's, you know, it's sort of that just keep paying. So, know. a.k.a. another place for him to get an easy kickback. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and basically get some drinks, get his drink on. Yeah. 
All right, let me ask you this, Joe. In your department, what are y'all? What kind of gains are y'all looking to get in this contract? Well, a lot of the gains that we want, we want are gains that are general gains. We 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 want our night differential back up. You know, we want um we 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 want a, a large enough raise that we could fix our forty hours, our, our broken uh, base pay. We don't get a whole lot of overtime. Overtime comes out of a um, a need for 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 the work. Um, you know, it, it's a section chair. It's it, it goes by shop. It goes by the work that's needed. So it's not something like like capital work like MOW. So it's not like you know you really look for overtime. So what what everybody really wants is a decent forty hour wage. That's that's the most important thing. There are other very small nuances that. Uh, you know, strict, strictly the car equipment, maybe better picks, things like that. But car equipment, if you ask anybody there, they want to make more money on their 40-hour base pay. Now, let me ask you something. Um, the union plan on, and it, and it seems like the governor is in on this, building subway cars in New York. How would that affect your department? All right. Um, you know, I, I did comment on this um, where, you know, with, with our president, Samuelson, being on the MTA board, um, and cheerleading for Cuomo to bring in work into New York. And it all sounds good. Um, oh, more jobs, uh, you know, skilled jobs, better jobs. But the danger here for car maintenance and bus maintenance is that when you start building factories in, in and around us, you're creating our competition. And therefore, and this, is, this, this happened already. I'm not, you know, you know uh, looking through a crystal ball Pataki was heavily involved in this. This was something that when you start to build these companies up around New York State, um, then what you get is that uh, our work can be farmed out. The, the repair of, of our parts, of, of the trains and buses, can be farmed out to these companies. Now they become the competition. The difference is we work for the MTA. The MTA can't give campaign contributions to the governor. The governor runs the MTA. The, the MTA is the governor's piggy bank, so to speak. So these other companies that open up in New York, they become our competition, but they can funnel campaign contributions to the governor. Now, by, now how, why would they do that? Because the governor has the power to funnel our work to them, and then they funnel campaign contributions and whatnot to the governor and votes. And that's how that works. So we wind up losing. So now when I look at our president on the MTA board, whose side is he on? Is he on the MTA board side or is he an advocate for transit workers? Well, did he get accepted to the MTA board yet? Because I know he was only nominated. No, no, he's on there. They, if, you, if you open up the MTA board, you know, uh, their website and you see all the pictures of everybody, he, our president doesn't have a picture yet, but his name is on there. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So what about you, Harry? What, what gains is significant to your department? Uh, big gains are, first of all, trying to get rid of some of the discipline that we're under. Uh, um, the, the streets are actually getting smaller with the bike lanes and the double park cars and uh, hoverboards and this, that, and the other. Uh, the pedestrians, the, the, uh, the, uh, the mayor has basically made these people uh, Dumbfounded. They are literally walking out in front of buses. They run it, walking out in front of traffic because everybody's looking at their cell phone. And it's almost like that they're daring you to hit them because they know what happens to you if you hit them. So the discipline definitely needs something needs to go. Um, as Joe spoke about, also overtime is, is crazy. Um, 
I don't understand how it is that if I want to take my family on vacation, I have to work overtime in order to make that happen, where my union reps don't, the people that run the MTA don't, so why is it that I have to work overtime constantly in order to do anything for my family? I mean, to build up my pension, I have to practically live at the job, and that's something that needs to change. As Joe said, we need a livable wage, not a decent wage, not a fair wage, because that's, that's based on whose view. We need a, a wage that uh, I can work 40 hours and that I can live off of, that I don't have to spend the rest of my life and miss watching my children. Thank goodness my children are grown, but you miss watching your children, your grandchildren, you miss all of them growing up because you spend so much time at work. Yeah. Mr. Jenkins, same question. What gains is significant? to you and your department? Right now we are basically, I don't know if anybody in the, any other department, we pick, our job picks are every two years. Oh wow. I don't know if any other department does that in, in transit as a whole. And it seemed like we are like the- Talking, talking to the mic brother. It seems like we are, are the, the guinea pigs of transit, <laughs> so to speak. And I was wondering if, if there's any other departments that have a two-year pick. We want a one-year pick. That's a nice, that's something to think about. Yeah, it is. I never, I never knew it was a two-year pick. Yeah, somebody had told me, uh, because I go to the storeroom and I get supplies and stuff, so um, those guys did tell me that, uh, matter of fact, was it always two years or, or did it just change over the it two years? It actually changed over years. It yeah. did change over okay. the years. Okay, because it used to be a year every year, right? Right. You used to be. I wonder why they did that. I don't know. <laughs> so what's another gain that's significant to your department? Uh, utility. I don't know when it comes to job picks. Y'all have floaters. I think they call y'all floaters out mm -hmm. there. It's important for us to have a pick job in the warehouses because now we're infringing on quality of life. You know, someone comes in, say, at, con at the concourse yard. And then they're called to go over to Van Cortland Yard, you know, because someone called out, of course, mm -hmm. you know, but that's only like during the week. We do get travel time for that, but still, would you want to come in and then be called to go to another location? Well, they do that to us in, 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 in um, subways. They extra, do? extra. Yeah, we go down there. We afford to the board, and then we had started Stillwell, and they sent me sent me up to. They did it to me the other day. I fell to the board at Stillwell, and they sent me up to the Bronx to do a platform job. Mm. Meanwhile, they got people on board at that same terminal. They ain't have to send me there. Wow. You know they they do stupid stuff like that, which I don't understand. That's all the crew office though. What station was this up in the Bronx? I had to report to Bedford Park and do platform at Yankee Stadium. Which it was easy, but I'm like, there's people on board up here. Why would you send me up here from right. Stillwell? Right. You know, it, it's stupid. And then y'all not calculating my time to travel home for the next job tomorrow. Y'all stop y'all stop my time when it's time for me to sign out. Like once again, they think we teleport from the train to the lunchroom. They think we teleport as soon as we sign out the home. Like we get home, we don't say nothing to our kids, we don't say nothing to our wife. I would like to do a study to see how many relationships actually last. Because of transit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good, yeah, good yeah. thought. Right? It is, yeah. You know what I mean? So, Mr. Staley, your turn. Yes. You got to come to the mic, brother. What gains are significant to your department 
What's the top gains for y'all? Well, when, when I speak about my department, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak on two titles because uh, the problems in the department amass both titles, such as discipline. I think they need to restructure the discipline, especially when it comes to these customer complaints. You know, customers don't even have to show up and they pushing discipline and forcing you to take something. They should set up a guideline and put more emphasis on the customers to come forward and be accurate with their information if they're talking about a station agent did something. Same thing with cleaners. You know, that, uh, if you make a complaint against a cleaner, it should be the same way. They have to come in and show proof. I have a cleaner that sat around for almost three or four months to get her pay after she was misidentified as a person that supposed to have struck a passenger. Now, when the police came, the police didn't arrest her because they didn't deem it necessary. But when transit came out, they act like they was the police, FBI, and everybody else. We <laughs> took her on out of service. She lost money behind it. And then the union sat there and made excuses for her all this time about her not getting, money, her, getting her money after they took her out of service. She's still out? No, she's back to work now. But, oh, right. yeah, three uh, months. That's, uh, I mean, that's because that, that, they drag their feet on yeah. these they yeah. own investigations. And I even hear stories that they <laughs> set, sent cough services for some of these witnesses to come yes. to Two Bro. Yeah, yeah I, heard, I heard them stories as well. But what I think more so than anything is that we should have a union that makes management, okay, if this is your witness, let the union rep, whoever the rep is, hopefully you might have a good one, know how to question them. You see, because a lot of the public knows we make complaints about them. They're going to come after, you know, the trans are going to come after us. So they're creating a problem already. So some of them just make false reports just to tie you up, knowing that it's going to tie you up. Don't show up in the meantime. Transit is, is pressing you on this case that's, that was just done on spike just because they was mad. We, we just had a cleaner uh, a couple of days ago. A customer was mad because the... the um, Hit the her, um, whoever it was, they caught expired, and um, the uh, clerk was saying, "Well, you just gonna have to get another card." So he went over to the cleaner. Cl cleaner was standing and started complaining to the cleaner, and I guess the cleaner didn't say anything that they wanted to hear, and oh, they yeah, just yeah, spat yeah, in yeah, his yeah, face. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, "This is crazy." Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, that that cleaner is actually gonna be at the rally too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had yeah. communicated with him. And I think there's issues as far as changing the boots. The boots that we wear, and a lot of people are going to, and having surgery on their feet, and a lot of them just don't know that as soon as you have a problem with that, you should report it because they're going to try to use it, use it as an excuse to, for you to reporting it in a timely fashion as how do we know it was the boots? But then how come you got so many people running around complaining about that and having surgery on their feet because of these boots? Not even surgery, but they going to get injections. Yeah. And all types of other things because of their feet. Yeah. But but nobody's pushing these issues. Yeah. As a whole. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody out here have problems See, with their work. But this is boots. the thing. You may have people that make complaints about it, but you got people that, you know, you could take this problem, you could fill out a grievance and all that, and your grievance may not go nowhere. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Let's be real about that. It may not go nowhere. But you could go a lot work of times they don't want you to win because they don't want your name to be labeled as the one that actually did the job that somebody else failed to do. Well, you could always hurt them through workers' comp in your boots. Yeah, that's that, yeah, that's a route you could take, but still, you're still going to have to come back to these boots. 
That's all I'm or saying. Or the alternative footwear. I yeah. never even tried that. Yeah. So, yeah. look, since we got you on the mic, um, there's a rumor of a percentage that Samuelson is, is, is planning on getting. What is it, Joe? The rumor is 3-3. Three, three. Two and a half over three, well, I think three years, but that's three, three, and two and a half. All right. What percentage do you think is necessary to make us keep up to the cost of living? Well, we, first thing, it's got to be in the double digits. It's got to be at least what Long Island Railroad got, 70% or better, period, for us to keep up. We fell behind so far behind other uh, unions, other, other people in other areas, such as corrections, PD. FDNY, and here we are, we, we're such an important part of the city. How are we getting crumbs when TA is running around bragging every day about how much, uh, of the, um, how much ridership they got now? <laughs> that means we're doing more work. If we're handling more people, that means we're doing more work. Correct. Clean is de dealing with more garbage. Correct. Station agents dealing with more metro cars. Correct. Crown more money. So could, should we be compensated for it? That's correct. My thing is this. Our, our um, raises should be co con compared to any other unions. Our raises should be compared to the revenue that we generate on a yearly basis. That's correct. Okay? I like that. We don't <laughs> care where you invest your money at. That's your business. Because if you make money off of it, you ain't giving, up, giving us a dime of that. Yeah. But we know what, we, what, what you got as far as this revenue is concerned. And we should be compensated uh, justly for that. I agree. What do you think, Mr. Wills? Um, I agree wholeheartedly. Got to be double digits. and people Give me gonna, a number. Um, it's got to be above 10%. It has to be per year. Now, people are going to sit up there and say, <laughs> people are going to sit up here and say, he's out of his damn mind. Ain't yep. no way in the world. But see, one of the things people got to understand is it's not that the MTA doesn't have that money. They do have that money. Okay? You're talking about a company that constantly, let's take, I brought this uh, uh, flyer um, where they was having their hearings on their capital budget plan. Now, basically, if you look at the type of money that they talk about spending on their capital budget plan, and as a matter of fact, uh, as we was talking about outside, Samuelson was talking about with, uh, when he got the city to kick into the capital plan, it was something like 20-some-odd uh, billion dollars. Now, uh, for years, uh, when Samuelson first got in office, when they started the Keep America Moving uh, movement, it was about changing the formula of, of how you do the capital budget versus the operational budget. So now you, you put more money towards the capital budget. Now remember, one percent raise is what twenty five million, Joe? Yeah, one point is twenty five million. One point is one twenty five million. So if you're talking about they can spend twenty three, twenty six billion dollars on the capital plan, why can't you raise that that same type of money on the operational side of the house? If you look at what's going on with the Hudson Yard rail yards, where they're doing that big development. I mean, anybody who lives in the city can see that the big development that's going on down there, not to mention they just moved the 7 train. They just spent all that money on the 7 train. Now, they're doing all of this. Why? Because of the developers that make the, contrib the campaign contributions to the city council, to um, um, the governor, to the mayor. So if you can sit around and you can make that kind of, and, and from what, what, when you read this article here, talking about the Hudson Rail Yards, they named the MTA as a partner. Okay, you're talking about I forgot what they said. Sixty 
Hudson Yard, piece of Hudson Rail Yard is a 26 to 28 acre. Uh, like you're talking about millions square feet, millions of square feet. Now that's going to generate a lot of revenue for somebody. Okay, so why shouldn't that money come back to us? We are constantly the ones that's getting hit and hammered, and then they want to use the public against us, which is totally wrong. Um, I know every time the union does a campaign, they always talk about uh, a public campaign. Um, last contract. Uh, we actually helped the MTA spend up their capital budget, I mean their operational budget, by returning service that they had uh, dismissed some time earlier. So basically that was money that could have went into our pockets, but we helped to return service. Um, let's start uh, using these, these, these items and stop uh, going with the developers and getting the developers rich. And we need to get some of that money in our pockets because the money is there. So uh, one of your previous guests made a statement about how do you get blood from a, uh, from a stone. You take that stone and you beat it. You beat that stone until it's pulverized, until it becomes a powder. And you continue to beat that stone and that powder until it becomes a liquid. That's how you get I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't even compare the MTA, that analogy. It's like, how do you go... How do you go to the beach and get sand? The sand is already there. The money right. is already there the with MTA. There. You know what I'm saying? And it's mighty funny. After they settle a contract, billions of dollars is found somewhere so they have the money right so yeah, we can continue accepting oh, that same you know that same analogy over and over again where again it's we're behind the eight ball all the time all the time i mean percentages as we start, I was talking to somebody earlier been on a job 27 years started at 11 dollars an hour i am now making 32 dollars an hour i have not averaged a, a dollar, dollar rate exactly. now, now this this is my problem with that and i was telling jamel this I don't care about these percentages. Right. Because at the end of the day, when you look at somebody like yourself, you had almost a dollar a year raise. The percentage looked nice, but when you even it out for a person's career, they look like, damn, I only got a dollar a raise. Yeah, since I, no, a dollar a year raise. That. We See, haven't even got that. Well, I'll tell you something. You know, there are people who have been around who don't even realize that the percentages have not added up to a dollar raise on right. an annual basis. That's right. You know, because basically, you know, my thing is this: like I'll, I always tell Tremel and the people that, you know, when it comes to M when it comes to the MTA, the bottom line is all of this is not theirs. You know, Cuomo didn't create it, uh, Pendergrass didn't create it, Samuelson didn't create it. All of these people that's up there didn't create the MTA. DeLavison, when he was here, he didn't create it. So why, you know, the people who really run the system are the ones who should really be rewarded with the, a substantial raise to live here in the city. That's right. And I was doing a little research, and I wanted to, sh I wanted to shout out to Ben Valdez for this. He's a, he's a train operator. This is research that was done to where New York State civil service law, mm -hmm. downstate employees that work down here in the five boroughs, should get at least a raise on an annual, I got to make sure it's an annual basis or throughout the life of the contract, but it should be at least $3,026 annually. To go, you know, to, to you know, to raise the base salary. Right. So if you do that, that's a substantial raise within the contract. Okay. But like I said, these percentages, it it looks good to the average mind, but they don't understand. You know, I was just doing a calcul, I was just doing the calculations. If it is three three, and two point five over three years, okay, eight point five whoop de doo. But basically, it's still only a, it's it's like a two dollars and change raise again over throughout three the three years of the, like throughout the, the life of the contract. Right. So again, what is it? You know, for a bus operator, it's thirty two forty two now, so it'll go up to thirty four dollars. 
whoop de doo Right. But <laughs> so, see, that's what I said. We have to get back to changing the, the formula of how they gear towards the capital budget versus the operational budget. You, you claim that you have all these politicians that's doing so much that you're asking us to vote for them constantly, but let them get their behinds up in Albany and do, some, do something real. Don't, I, all I've seen is failed uh, uh, projects that these people have signed on. They're never going to go any further or get to the point to where, let's say they do something and the governor vetoed it. You have enough votes to override the governor veto, but they're never going to do that because they're scared to death of this man. Mm -hmm. I see that. So, Joe, what about you? Because you originally heard the percentages, but what percentages do you think that we need? Many of us need to be about 40 to $45 an hour and right away, not increments over three years and four years. And I'm not being greedy and I'm not trying to throw something at the union that can't accomplish, although we, you know, we pretty much know how it's going to work out. But what I'm saying is that in order to live in this city, operate in this city, Send the, send the kids to school, send them to a good school, have the things that you want to have in life, um, you feel like you're being treated with respect by your employer, that's the money you need to be pulling in. Construction workers, um, you know, iron workers, electricians, and this and that, those the unions were able to, you know, bring in some, some good money for them so they could afford to live. That's what we need. And, I'm, and I don't understand why that should be such a far-fetched idea. Is it so entrenched in our minds? that we feel we're not worth it, or it's never going to happen, so why are we thinking about it? Or it's a silly thought, it's a silly dream. Get that silly dream out of your head and work some overtime. Is that, is that, is that the way we're supposed to act and what we're supposed to think? This railroad is the people's railroad, i.e., it's our railroad. And it was just mentioned that it's not the governor's. He didn't create it. Samuelson didn't create it. None, nobody created it. This is our railroad. We operate it. We make it a success. The public relies on it, and, and we do a damn good job on it. And, and this, even, even this panel here, a whole lot of different titles, job responsibilities, all coming together talking about this. We deserve to have money that we can live on here. Exactly. And not beg for it and not become a slave to the job and have to work 60 hours just so we can, we can, we can put better bread on the table. That's ridiculous. I right. totally agree. Exactly. These I'm people on the MTA board, they come and go. We don't come and go. And they're all we, rich. Yeah. <laughs> we, they're we, all rich. We and, stay here. Y'all, but over 20 years, everybody, right? That's but right. One, but one big yeah. key to it. All of them that sit on that board don't ride these trains. They riding cars to these meetings, and they riding cars now, back home. Now, you want to hear something <laughs> crazy? One of the um, management, when I went to 2 Broadway, he used to be the school called TSS. Now, he, he specifically told us when he was a TSS. Now he's in management, higher management. I wouldn't dare let my wife or child ride these trains. But you giving out discipline to people who work on the trains and passengers who you don't, you don't even feel comfortable Riding your family riding the trains, but you over here dishing out discipline to people who making a living off the trains. Right, like that don't make no sense. I mean, no. look at what the governor's doing with the buses now. You 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 giving people uh, clocks so they can know what time the buses are going to show up. But the problem is, is that when the buses get there, they can't get on them because they're too damn crowded. Okay? <laughs> then you want to give them Wi-Fi. I mean, uh, uh, the public has to wake up and understand that what he's providing for you. It's, it's bull. It's bull. BS. It's plain and simple. It's BS. So you need you need better buses out there, but not to mention, also, you need operators that's going to operate those buses. So when you can sit up there and buy the best equipment in the world, but you're paying your people like crap, and they're tired because they're, 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 they're spending so much of their time on the job, 
that you don't even have a home life. And, and that's something that's important. Like I said, uh, union reps are making over $100,000. So that three, three, whatever, 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 when you're making $100,000, that 3% is a hell of a lot more than it is when you're making 30 something dollars oh, an yeah, hour. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah. so people have to understand that when these, when these guys come out here and they start selling this, this contract to you, based on these percentages, their raises is gonna, their, their salaries are gonna go up a hell of a lot more than our salaries were because we're hourly polar employees. They're salaried employees. So you're talking about on $100,000, 3% is a lot of money, okay? It is it more, a hell of a lot more than it is on an on a, um, on hourly employee. Of course. Now, I want, I want somebody to answer this question because I'm still trying to figure out logically why Long Island Railroad get paid significantly more than us now, uh, as far as the operating budgets go and, and the um, annual ridership, Long Island Railroad and annual ridership is about $88 um, million, mm -hmm. right? Now, New York City Transit annual ridership is $2.4 trillion. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, it's only um, a $10, $10 billion gap between the operating budgets between New York City Transit and Long Island Railroad. Long Island Railroad is one9 um, New York City Transit is 10.9. Now, our ridership should say our operating budget should actually be more. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And I think they operate in budget. I don't, I don't really understand how the operating budgets work. Do the salaries come out the operating budgets? Yes, absolutely. Yes. All yeah. right. So the salaries come out the operating budgets. Mm -hmm. Why is they operating budget is so high compared to their ridership and ours is so low compared to our ridership? Because $87 million to $2.5 trillion? It should be at least a thirty billion dollar gap between the two. Well, Absolutely. see, well, see, one thing that I think is, plays a part in it is, is is politics. It's a major part because remember, a lot of politicians ride that Metro North, and a lot of politicians ride that uh, Long Island Railroad. So, you know, when they can go and buy bar cars and put them on the Metro North going up to Connecticut. I mean, really? I mean, the people can't go to it. They have bars in Penn Station where people get a drink before they get on a train. Or, and, they got, and, I, and I know they got bars, you know, at people's destinations when they get off the train. So do you have to give them a bar on a train? All they're doing is commuting home. Don't forget the quiet cars, too. They the also qu have quiet, quiet cars. Quiet cars. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a super luxury. That's a super luxury. Exactly. You, you and ain't going to catch an A-train with no quiet cars. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. Although I have seen a few bar cars. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a bar car. Seen, and I've seen a bug car on the J-train, too. You know? No, no, the, the D-train. Excuse me. I'm sorry. But, but, yeah, man, that's what I mean when I say... You know, again, this is what I mean where I say when politics come into play, you know, it, it makes a difference and it, and, it, and, it, and it has influence on how these people spend their money. I tell you, you know, I look at these union guys when they do these shop gates and when I hear about the things they say to the members, I just shake my head because, again, they ram these budgets down their ass and that's what they tell the membership. Yeah, it's too much settlement. I mean, again, you come out there and you sell things like it's, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And, and meanwhile, we're starving. We can't even afford a damn loaf of bread. Now, <laughs> people, people would sit up there and say, but wait a minute, didn't he just say that they make $32 an hour? What do you mean you can't afford a, 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 a loaf of bread? Uh, first of all, look at everything else that's going on in this city. And, and don't, don't fault me because of what I'm making. Try to, I'm going to try to help you get to where I am, 
But I also think that we all should be much further than where any of us are. Yep. And that's something we all have to get on the same page as opposed to fighting each other. And that's one of the things that the powers that be do. They, they pit us against one another. Oh, that greedy transit worker. Oh, that, that greedy transit worker is making so much overtime. Oh, that greedy transit worker has uh, uh, the, the health care benefits of this, that, and we got to pay so much money for the health care benefits. First of all, people need to understand that the transit authority does not pay for our health care benefits based on usage. They pay by the month per person, whether you have a family plan or whether you have an individual plan. So it's not like because I use it so much, then I got to pay more. What about somebody like me that may not use it that much? Are you going to charge me less? No, exactly, you're not. Yeah. So that again, that all has to change. And people have to understand that the transit authority has to be held, the MTA has to be held to a higher standard of finding better health care plans for us at a cheaper rate because the amount of money that they're bringing to any company can put that company over the top for their quarter, for their annual, and, and, and the, the stockholders should be going happy when they see the MTAs coming over to using those particular plans. And they talk about, I mean, as far as us making overtime, we got to make that money to survive. Right. You know, like you said, how I, and, and, you know, a lot of people work overtime just to go on vacation, take their family to vacation just to have extra food in the house like it's real like that yeah, yeah. out here they work overtime or they they look forward to that tax return or you yeah. know it, it's a whole lot of other ways now that um a lot of members um do things like that well you know when they want to go on vacation even even with the union with the um the child what is it the child care the child care fund mm -hmm. first come first serve there's right. enough money there for everybody and if it, come, come come as you please and if there isn't enough money take that six million dollar slush fund that you just got <laughs> right. and put it towards there right. as a matter of fact what a lot of people don't know when uh i think his name was ramirez that used to run the uh the skills and upgrading in, the ch in child care there was so much money left over. There was something to the tune of $83,000 that hadn't been spent. That's how they started the tuition reimbursement uh, uh, part of that. And I now, a lot of people don't know that. I definitely get my piece of that. Yeah, a lot <laughs> right. of people didn't know that. So <laughs> you know. It, it's, it's a point of that you, you're getting the money. Put the money where it's needed. You, I mean, again, I call it, it's supposed to be a labor benefit account, but it's basically a political slush fund. Because what are you doing with that money but hiring people that's sitting up there saying, I'm going to support you? It's, it's too much of that going on to where these people support a person and not the union. Uh, um, the, the, the HBT that the union is running. What do you do? You hire more people to turn around that's going to support you. And that's why I said these, these, these unions, are, uh, these elections are based on popularity. They're not based on knowledge and the people that's going to do the best job. Oh, he's my friend. Like I told you in the first show. My friends treat me a lot better than these cats do. So it's not about friendship. It's about getting people in office that's going to do the job and, and where you don't have to work so hard and you're not spending so much time at your location as opposed to being at home with your family, watching your kids grow. And I know you got a young baby and you uh -huh. want to see that young man grow up. Yes, sir. You want to watch him. You want to be there. You don't want to come in. You, want to, you don't want to leave in the morning and he sleep and then you come home and he sleep. Yeah. And you know that you have no interaction with your family whatsoever. That's something that has to change. And I know the transit authority is looking to change it by uh, doing away with overtime, but they also don't want to raise our pay enough to where we can still survive without that overtime. That's correct. Well, I don't know how effective that would be if they try to get rid of overtime, especially in schedule-driven departments, mm -hmm. because yeah. there's all because there's always a need and there's always work that goes down. Part-timers. You know? Yeah. Part-timers. Part yeah. well, that's going to come to the buses, not to the subways. <laughs> yeah. It, it could come to anybody. 
if they see a need for it, if somebody gets a bright idea. But buses, it would, be, it would definitely be the front line of yeah. part-timers if, um, if our organization ever, you know, allows that to happen. If they allow it to happen, now, yeah, and it's sad. An idea I was thinking about to curve discipline. I think what the union need to do is take a stand and stop um, telling members don't take 70-30. Mm-hmm. We'll pay y'all. Let the un- we'll take it here. You know what? We'll pay y'all. We we'll, we go do we go try this for a year. Six we go, million dollars. We, we go pay y'all whatever wherever the money come from. We go pay y'all for a year because <laughs> management will see how many people they really discipline. And if people really start saying, you know, I'm gonna take my days in the street, service not gonna be met. Mm-hmm. If you saying it was how many sixteen sixteen thousand a year sixteen thousand a year, what service is gonna be met? How many extra? It ain't that many extra, extra people around. Hell no. <laughs> well, I'm going to invoke somebody's name, which these guys are saying uh, pretty much owns this show. Uh, under Roger, Toussaint, okay, uh, we, were always taught, <laughs> we were always taught to not uh, allow management to use up our resources by keeping us down at 2 Broadway or 130 Livingston, you know, in hearings. So it's, it's become a point where Samuelson, what he's doing, he's hiring more people to handle the discipline as opposed to eliminating the discipline. Mm. And that's something that has to be in the forefront of these uh, contract negotiations. We have to eliminate discipline. I mean, you remember that I had mentioned that, uh, you know, it's, it's my belief and, and the evidence shows it that the union and management is in collusion when it comes to, to discipline. Discipline is a machine. It's, it's, it's a machine that serves both the union and management because it serves management in that labor relations gets to uh, develop a budget out of the pain and suffering of our members, that's their, that's their meal ticket, and the union gets to release more people, and even when, when discipline goes up, the union goes to management and said, I need more release time, and they say, sure, no problem, because it's all a collusion, they're partners in this. That's why when you go down there, it's a machine, they just, you just walk in and you're factoried right through. Well, this is what happened last time, oh, this is the offense, this is the penalty, that, 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 that. They hardly even talk to you. Yeah. They make you sit in a hallway <laughs> with, with, with a glass wall so everybody could walk by and look at you sitting there wondering what the hell's going to happen to you. Exactly. And are they going to take my money that I can't feed my child? It's a humiliating situation. Exactly. It, it was crazy because Joe had came with me to my grievance well, um, with the head of labor relations. And he had the nerve to ask me. I never, he said, I never seen you before. <laughs> and I said, were well, you supposed to see me? I think that was before you came to sit down. I can't believe he said that. Who, uh, Axelrod? Axelrod. He said, I've never seen you before. I said, well, was you supposed to see me? <laughs> yeah, right? You've been here two years and you ain't been written up yet? Yeah, that's all he was telling oh, yeah, me. We, oh, yeah, we got to send somebody to follow him. Yeah, sure. you should have been written up four times already. We, What's going on yeah. here? We haven't taken any of your money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I, I think that it's a problem there. Yeah. And even during the meeting, I asked him, I thought labor relations supposed to work with the employee. Yeah, and Th- you know, that's a weird, this is weird to me here. Yeah, it is weird, and you Twilight know, Twilight Zone, exactly. And I don't care when anybody say it. You know, it's redundant to be talking about this. I don't like the discipline neither. You know, people in all departments, not just RTO, um, the buses, and you know, they talk about the uniform and the problem with the uniforms and the back, um, you know, the back orders when people order uniforms and and the um, and things that are wrong with the uniform, so they had to take it back. You know, if the the authority once upon a time they had the uniform rooms, they had them, okay, and they still have the properties to where they could still um, have um, 
you know, bring back the uniform rooms and they can have somebody of their own hand giving out the uniforms and the seamstress and everything to take the measurements. Now, that's one way to curb discipline as far as people not having a uniform, which is just absolutely ridiculous because if you, it's in the contract, you want, you know, that management gives out the uniforms. So basically, if you want everybody properly to do the job, why not give out the, two, the proper tools, no questions asked? I want to know what's that. going on with this uniform department. Why the, why the MTA letting them be lack, like lack like that? Is it right. a company? Is it well, a farm down well, there? I think it should it, be top-notch boots and shoes for the members. Top-notch. I think you should I be able to get the, your own boots I think the, uh, I'm sorry. The, yeah, that too. I'm yeah. sorry, but I think it really is the, the uniform place that they, they assign this to. They fell off because I'm thinking they're ordering your uniform. Once you call them and order your uniform, they call somebody else and get it sent to them, and then they send it to you. Because um, I noticed that this year, not just me, I had a, a full order this year, but I know a few other people, and that we always kept getting partial orders. And one thing, and the thing that gets me is that they sent me one turtleneck sweater in a bag. You paid all this money. You sent it UPS, whatever it was, and it was just one turtleneck. You know what it all come down to? <laughs> Accountability. Yeah. Nobody making them accountable up there. Okay. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. I ordered shirts. I ordered uh, shirts before the summertime, especially short sleeve shirts. Uh, they sent me some unisex shirts that <laughs> I couldn't even wear if I wanted to wear them. Still haven't received the short sleeve shirts. Still haven't received a, a message or anything telling me that they're on back order or anything. Right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, again, you order the uniforms and you have a company that don't, that don't deliver them. So then now when I put my own thing together, you want to sit around and you want to talk about writing me mm -hmm. up. Exactly. You see what I'm but, talking about? Now, see, I mentioned but, this on another show. Uh, a, con a conductor was wearing his pants off his butt, his uniform. They told him... Where's your belt? He said, y'all ain't issued me a belt. <laughs> I got to wear my own. I don't own no belt. Y'all ain't issued me a belt. Which, he was, which he's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They left him alone. You know. <laughs> but but you, I wanted to make a point. Belts are coming now. <laughs> your belt's coming now, right? Yeah, trust me. They're going to do that next. But I want to make a point when you were talking about discipline. And I want to make a, a point about why we lose and why we treat it the way we are when it comes to discipline is just that most of the reps, number one, they set an environment in which management know they're not going to be challenged. So management come in with their chest already stuck out. It's just a matter of what we're going to get up out of you today, you know, which, you know, how, whatever we're going to get out of your members because... Uh, the most of your reps don't read a book. They don't educate themselves. They don't know how to challenge management. See, a lot of times I notice if you challenge ma management and make them think, then they'll back off, and then they're going to come back to you again and try again. But long as you're educated and you know what you're talking about, they're going to respect you. But when you keep laying down and you, they, you got that mentality throughout your union, that management walking in the door with the perception already in their head, we're going to win. That's why we keep this discipline machine running, because the reps that we got will not sit down and read a book. They don't know how strong they are. They don't know uh, management book says that the burden of proof is on management. You know, that, none of them even see. I, I asked many of people, and I sent you a copy of 
the disciplinary book for transit, right? First one that ever did it. That's right. When I when I went down to the Union Hall, or even when I was at Two Broadway, I showed these guys sitting around. Have you ever seen this book? They said no. But if you read the front of the book, what does it say? Disciplinary. Procedure. If you're doing disciplinary, you should you should read this book as well. You should be as knowledgeable of this book as management is. Well, ma- management also needs to realize that. They not excluded from the rule book either. Exactly, to, they're to in get, it too. To get disciplined but because they we, harass, intimidate. We don't have the mentality. We don't come with the mentality. We should see. Understand? I don't care about you being a supervisor. Supervisor is your title. I understand that. But also, these rules apply to everybody. Everybody, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you sitting there and you think you're going to bully me and intimidate me into taking it, I have a problem with that. Okay. And I'll take it to wherever I needed to take it at to get it addressed. But that's what you have to start doing is like when they sit there and tell you no, okay, you tell me no, I'm going to your boss, okay? And eventually, and I'm going to let them know where it says that I'm entitled to whatever it is I'm fighting about. And why do this person, maybe they shouldn't be there because if they're willing to violate a member's right and put the authority in a position for a lawsuit, maybe they don't belong where they at and transit ain't go they and don't they care who you like is. that at all like i tell people the only safe people in mta is the people on the board yeah and that's it but see one of the problems that people don't understand it it starts right from the beginning and and the department of buses and i'm not sure about other departments i'm just going to speak on what i know you they, when the, a dan is issued you're supposed to go in there and sign notification then after you sign notification you have five days to go back in there to have your step one hearing that those five days are not being utilized. Members are automatically being taken in there, cold, not even knowing what it is that the, the boss want to see them about, and then a hearing is being held. Our depot chairs have to start using that time to prep the members, find out what it is that they want. Maybe the member can help in their own defense. Not maybe they can help in their own defense of what's going on. Use those five days, but see, so many people don't want to use the time of, of making up that extra calendar to remember to take people back in. It's very simple and very easy to do, but that's something that we have to start doing. Don't go in and take a member in there cold on, on a discipline issue. Let them go in there and sign notification. Get all of the facts that management have. Give it to the member. Sit there and talk to the member in the union office about what the charge is. And then after the fifth day, then you on the fifth day, then you go back in there and you have that hearing with management. Now, as a union rep, you're better prepared to defend that person as opposed to you sitting there cold. The member sitting there, Cole, and management is the only one that knows what they want with that person. So that has to change. Use the five days. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that has to change, to piggyback off of what Staley was talking about with the discipline manual, is customer complaints. Exactly. You know, I hear, you know, I still hear operators and, I, you know, with these customer complaints. And I'm saying to myself, the burden of proof is on them. So if somebody calls me if somebody calls you in the office and says that you were driving a bus erratic or you said something wrong to them now basically what burden of proof do they have all you have is a letter that somebody wrote that's it there shouldn't be no re-instruction for that really it'll it it all should be tossed out but what's even worse jamel is when the, the manager themselves is calling uh um the the, the alleged complaint complaining and when the person 
writes, rewrites their letter, and they're using terminology that you know that people in the public would never know, like run number and this and that. Right. You know, you can tell that the, the, the manager called that person and schooled them on what to say to make that case even greater. Now, what company in their right mind would sit up there to try to make a case stronger against their employees? Of the only ones that ever done it, that do that is the uh, MTA and the New York City Transit Authority. No, that's ridiculous. Yeah, because there was even cases of, I've heard of, you know through the years of these arbitrations, they've sent limos for these people when they oh, come they, to they, testify. They sent the bus. One time we was out of Elmer Park, my old depot chair, Jerry Baker, bless his soul, this, uh, the manager was trying to pull a bus out to, to, to uh, go pick up a wheelchair passenger to go and complain. Jerry stood in front of that bus and he wouldn't let the bus go out. He's like, you want to you want to go pick him up? You better call him a cab because you ain't using no bus here. <laughs> now let me ask you. A I don't question. blame him. Let me ask you a question about him, yeah. the um the five days. Where you get that from? It's it's actually in the dam. Oh, because civil service law says eight days. Okay, well, section seventy five. Yeah. Okay, yeah, eight days, five, whatever. But we have to. There's time that it's not being utilized. So it has to be utilized. And, and, and if it's eight days, then we need to change that then to make it eight days. Yeah. Because we are, in certain departments, we are civil service employees. So you have to use those days to prep the member. Because like I said, we never, I went in the office the other day. I knew what they wanted. It was about uh, me allegedly not making customer uh, announcements. I, uh, the, young lady was on my bus that claimed I didn't make none. I said, no, I did make some, and then she changed it to one, okay? Did she have headphones in? <laughs> no, she didn't. Oh. But the whole point is, is that, and so my, my reply to the, to, the, um, to the supervisor was this. First of all, I had a, a, a ride check. One day I had three ride checks in one day. Three ride checks. I had two beakies on my bus at the same time. They micromanaging. Okay, so all three ride checks came back perfect. So I told him there's a problem with this one. I said, so this is what I want you to do. Hold the case in abeyance, okay, until my ride check, because I will get another ride check. And when that one come back perfect, throw that one out. He goes, oh, I can't do that. Why not? What's the rush? I ain't going no damn way. <laughs> right. Wow, so you had three ride checks in one day. One day. I had two people on my bus at the same That's time. That's micromanaging. You must be on that pimp list. Oh, yeah, I am. The PMP. That's, I what, I, that's what I call it, the pimp list. <laughs> now, let, me ask, let, me ask, let me ask y'all a, lesson, uh, a question. Uh, I, I need anyone to answer this. And this regard, this regard on my grievance, Section 162, did we ever give that up? Because with the whole lunch thing with um, – well, I'm fighting for the the no lunches with Axelrod. The Department of Labor sent me something that said that Section 162 could have been given up in the contract. But I haven't seen it in the contract. And I don't think the MTA gave it up, which if they didn't give it up, they in complete violation of the labor law regarding if, the lunches. If the contract is addressing your lunch, then then it was probably at some point. I mean, usually when you when you you don't give it up, you you actually improve on the law. You don't go the other way. Yeah. So, but they <laughs> they saying that they saying that certain collective bargaining agreements will override the law. Well, override Only in a good law. way. Like yeah. like enhance it. Yeah. Enhance it. Right. Yeah. Not you to can't, undermine it. No, right. No. You can't but go the, below the, the threshold. The, the lady said that the union and the management could make a deal, a side deal that have nothing to do with the law. And she assuming that 162 was whatever section 162 is mm -hmm. was given up. But I haven't seen it's not a no contract. Well, let management say that then. I mean, they have to show it too. Exactly. And somebody would have had yeah, to negotiate it. Exactly. Somebody right. would have had to negotiate it out. 
And even with the grievance with conductors, as far as, um, you know, the lunches, I've, the union sent me an old grievance from 1990. And it said uh, the lunch, it was a problem with train operators missing their scheduled lunch. Mm-hmm. But it says nothing about you missing your scheduled lunch and you're not getting the lunch. Mm. So I, my friend, she's pregnant right now. She's a conductor. She actually just went out last week. I asked, I said, have you been denied lunch, like not been able to eat lunch and pregnant? She said, yes. So I don't think the MTA really want to deal with that issue right there. That's big. She should be a witness at, you know. No, she said, actually, she said she's go come. Good. <laughs> she said she go, and well, she should come Bring the during baby. Our arbitration. Bring the baby. <laughs> <laughs> right, wrapped up in the blanket. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, and, and then, you know, he got asked me for three jobs, which these things was happening. I don't understand that. Just look at the no lunches. Do y'all have a minimum on y'all lunch period? Like a minimum of 30 minutes or something like that? Well, it's, it's at least 20 minutes before we get the bonus. Hmm. But if they give us 20 minutes, they got to have a special permit from the Department of Labor to say that they're able to give us 20 minutes and they have to be on... They have to meet certain criteria. When you look at the criteria, I'm like, the MTA don't meet these things. Yeah, because when we have less than 20 minutes in our swing, uh, which is our lunch break, they actually give you 20 minutes, which, again, 20 minutes ain't crap. You don't have enough time to eat. You don't, you know, you don't have enough time to let your food digest. I told them that, Harry, yeah. <laughs> so, so what I usually tell people is, um, you know, after that 20 minute that they give you, go to the bathroom and take another 20. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, I mean, again, because it, you, you can't keep treating us like animals and expect us to, you know, to wolf down our food and then go jump back on the bus to provide service. I mean, to y'all, that's all is, it's about. It's just service, 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 service. You have to start caring about your employees and you wonder why sick time is at an all-time high because those these these trains and these buses are literally killing us. Yeah, and then, and then you got some of these routes. I don't know about the route you drive, Harry, but some of these lines, man, they they're so long um, from one end to one end. It's like driving from here to Atlantic City. Yeah, my the route with no traffic. The eighty two in the morning time to give you a perfect example. In the morning time, I pull out from Seaview at four thirty five. Uh, Rockway Parkway, which is the next time point, which really isn't that far. They give you something like twelve minutes. You can't make it. You you cannot make it now. At that time of morning, you're not really picking up anybody, but the traffic patterns, the lights change at that time of morning. Because in the city's uh, infinite wisdom of trying to get cars to slow down, you have you may go two blocks and then you run into a red light, or then you you know by the time that light changed, you hit another two blocks. There's another red light. So I'm not really picking up anybody, but I can't. You can't make it. So you know when people keep talking about accidents are going up, accidents are up, accidents are up. The union will come out there and tell everybody, slow down, slow down, slow down. Management is telling everybody, slow down, slow down, slow down. Newsflash. Years ago, before y'all started cutting the running time to save money, accidents weren't so high. The more you keep cutting time, people are going to speed up. People are going to say, oh, you shouldn't speed and this, that, and the other. The people that are saying that are ones that's not driving the bus, okay? Because when you are driving that bus and you pull into that bus stop and your bus is jam-packed with people and somebody trying to get to work can't get on that bus, I'm the one that's got to deal with that, not the manager, not the union. Then when those people make the customer complaints on me because I pulled into a bus with a, a bus stop with a crowd of buses, and then not to mention you got these knuckleheads that don't want to move back. Everybody want to stand in the front, and you got room in the back. And the more I keep yelling, you know, move back, move to the rear, move to the rear. Now these people on the bus are going to start riding. 
uh, when instead of making these asinine announcements that you make over the radio about if I find something, turn it into the crew room because people think it make you're making me sound like a thief that when I find something <laughs> on the bus, I don't turn it in. I know to turn it in. Why don't you make some announcements about moving to the rear of the bus? Why don't you put some, some ads, some public service announcements out there telling people how to operate? When a bus is pulling out from a bus stop, don't come running up knocking on the door because if you slip and fall and then I roll over you, then I'm the one that's in trouble for that. So you need some public service announcements. The MTA needs to help. Um, sorry for taking so long, but okay. one more point. Um, I had, a, a, again, the preventable accident that I had. I hit a double parked car. Uh, boss calls me in the office on that. Now, I had four accidents in an in a, uh, 18-month period. Three of them was non-preventable. One of them was preventable. So the boss decided to tell me that if I have another one, I'm not going to see him anymore for a non-disciplinary hearing. I'm going to have to go see the next guy for a disciplinary hearing. So now you're going to start disciplining me, disciplining me for having an accident. So my reply to him was, on, Berg, on Dean Street, between Carlton and 6th Avenue, every day those cars are double parked. Every day. I said, so why don't you get somebody out there to do some enforcement to ticket those cars so they can be removed? He tells me that I should call console. Now, if you're the superintendent of operation, the superintendent of transportation, which to me, they're the same damn thing, so I don't understand why you got two people doing the same title, okay? Why not get out there and enforce it? Why I got to call somebody else and have them send somebody else out there, or, you, or they're going to call you, and you're going to have to go out there and look at it anyway. So basically what I'm asking you to do is to remove the hazards. Don't keep handing, you, you, you pull people off their runs, and you have them hand out these safety sheets talking about be careful. Fool, I am being careful. But it's just some things that you can't avoid. Remove the hazard. Don't keep putting these hazards because in order to get around these double parked cars, I have to go into a bike lane. Now, first of all, the street is small enough as it is. So now you're talking about double parked cars, which is making the street smaller. On some of these streets that they have bike lanes, a bus is 10 feet wide. The travel lane for the buses is barely 10 feet, if that. And then they're telling you you're supposed to keep three foot of clearance on each side of you, mm -hmm. which is nearly impossible when I got a bike lane on my left. Mm -hmm. So if I'm riding on this and now somebody popped their door open and they hit their door, well, didn't you see them in the car? Didn't you do this? Everything is upon us. And like I said, and like I was telling somebody the other day, the best way to stop this and, and to get these people serious about accidents, start penalizing the managers. Yeah. Start penalizing them. Start taking money out of their pockets. Then they'll get serious about ending these accidents and coming up with remedies to fix these. What's, well, what's, what's Harry, there's, tell a, you so there's a city out there that does that, right? That put it made it made it ma management culpable for these yes, things. Cleveland, Cleveland, right? Cleveland has done that, and you know, and accidents has dropped. And you know, I believe, right? Even with these accidents and fatalities, there is federal law, something in the federal law, and I got to research it that says basically. That the company is, is supposed to be held liable, like or they're supposed or, or, or they're supposed to be their equipment is supposed to be looked at whenever there's a fatality, okay? Because basically these fatalities that happens in transit, you know, basically they blame the driver, all hands down, all the blame goes to the driver. They don't check the accident record. I mean, you know, they don't check the maintenance record of the bus, and which a lot of these buses get knocked down for stuff 
And when it's written up on the VCR card, it's sent right back out and you know for them to make service. Oh, hell, when they can, when they can't in the afternoons, when it when it's a heavy pullout time, they're literally taking buses off of the defect line, which is against DOT uh, laws. Okay, you you're pulling them off of the defect line, you're spinning them around. Uh, they haven't been fixed, but you're sending them back out there so you can make service because service is much more important. We're in contract time right now. And I know my fellow, uh, my, my union reps are going to come out there with the 19As and this, that, and the other. That's a waste of freaking time. Because first of all. What is that? Uh, well, you go out there and you have to pre-trip your bus. Oh, okay. Okay? That's my job. I'm supposed to do that before I pull out every morning anyway. When you come out there and you knock, the union is there and, and 30 buses are getting knocked down. The day before you had three buses knocked down. The day after that you have zero. It becomes, and that's what management keeps looking at, is it becomes a job action. Find something other than just doing 19A pre-trip inspections as a way to try to get on management's nerve. Because it, it's been overused, and it's overused. Every time that there's a problem, this is what they do. There are other things that can be done to, to, to bring problems to management's attention. But, again, if you were a good union rep, you would be able to do these things and you would know what they are. And I'll come out there with the 19As all the time. And, and I think it's more so to impress the members. Look, hey, look at what we're doing. Exactly. I think, the, know, I think the problem that transcends through all these departments with management, they being, they being reactive instead of proactive. Mm -hmm. Instead of them getting in front of the issue, right. they're getting behind it after, the, after the, whatever happens take, take place. And then when that happens, who they penalize us. That's right. Right. And That's then, you right. know, I think it's, it's also another two things when it comes to accidents being higher nowadays, Harry, with these buses. Basically, I personally believe, now this is personal opinion, right, that um, it's a generational thing. Mm -hmm. Because, again, everybody, when they look, you know, when they see on the paddle report that, okay, swing time is this time and clear time and go home time is this time. So, in their mind, they feel that they have to meet, they have to meet that. Okay, and then another thing is the equipment. Basically, when you you know when you know when you look at these buses, I mean, it's all good that you it's all good that you have great equip you know the good equipment, the hybrids and everything. But when you look at the 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 speed of these buses, when they you know when they accelerate out of a bus stop, I can hear it. They, you know, you can tell their foot is on the floor when they're going down the street, man. Right. So basically, that's because back in the days when I started, we still had, and I know what you and I know it. I, I know you know what I'm talking about. They had these three thousand series RTSs mm -hmm. and four thousand series. And if anybody, you were not getting out of a bus stop with those buses. No, no. So there was no such thing as flying up and down the road. Right. But what they need to do is increase the running time back on these routes, as opposed to trying to save money. Yeah. And because again, you have you have the power to slow down the buses. Because what happens is, if I'm ahead of schedule, what am I going to do but drive at three miles an hour so I can let the schedule catch up to me, or you know, basically just do what I need to do in order, you know, I'm gonna pull into the bus stop. So if I'm not flying up and down the road, that's that's one of the things that they need to do to make sure that you know, stop trying to save money, stop making it all about your budget, and and make it about just safety, true safety. That's something that they need to do. Right. You know, another thing that um, they fail to look at is how dense the city is becoming. Exactly. They, not, the, the they don't understand that the population is growing every single day. That's right. People moving into New York City every single day. And they not looking at, like, I, that, that Dean Street and, um, what you said, Carlton? Yeah. That's Park Slope or... No, that's that's not that's Park right Slope. By, that's, uh, that's right by the Barclays Center. The Barclays Center. Center, yeah. That's, that's, that's the rear end of the Barclays yeah, Center. Yeah. That's, that's, that's still, like, 
Park Slope. That's over right there by the precinct. Underhill. Park Slope Underhill. Yeah. Underhill Avenue. Park, right Park Slope Underhill. Yeah. Right. So many people moving into those neighborhoods. That's right. Bars is opening up left and right there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They not thinking though, like you said, those streets is small. People double park their cars. Now let me tell you another issue that's wrong with that neighborhood. It's mostly a Caucasian neighborhood mm-hmm. now, right? They police different than how they police in the minority communities. They're allowed to ride their bike on the sidewalk. They're allowed to double park. They're allowed to do all these minor things that the MTA and a lot of people not taking into consideration that it's something up with the policing. That's right. Where's the traffic aid? It's not your job no. to worry about. Um, it, it, it's not management job either. But management should get in contact with the precinct and say, look, my drivers is having safety issues driving around all these parked cars and y'all in, in the neighborhood that y'all police. Can y'all do something about this? Right. When you, when you talk, like you said, uh, 70% of all pedestrian accidents happen in the city. Because, of, like you said, it's a, it's a densely populated area. And it's getting worse. It's not, it's not, the population is not going down. It actually is going up in these, in these areas. Uh, so, again, you can't keep holding me responsible. It's almost like if, if buses and cars are having accidents, if you're just training me, but you're not training who else, who have the other side that we're having accidents with, you're not changing anything. Because my uh, habits may change, but the other person's ac- uh, habits are not changing, like bicycles. Um, accidents with bicycles and buses are going up. Why do you keep putting bikes on bus routes? But, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I don't get that. And, and to give you a perfect example, uh, when they, the first time they put the bike uh, lane on the B65, when I was doing the B65, I'm stopped at a light. A uh, young lady's dry, uh, riding her bike. She comes up. There's a dumpster on the left side. She hits the dumpster, falls, Okay, when I looked in the mirror because I heard the noise because I had my window open, her arm was under the, the wheel. Wow! So if that had transpired while I was moving, she would have lost her arm. Now whose fault? I mean, not fault because with us it's not about fault; it's about preventability. Yeah, that would have been on me, and they would have taken me out of service based on her uh, not being able to ride a bike real good because she was. Like this. And one of the things that they always tell you to do is when you get ready to pass a bike, to blow your horn. And one of the problems that I say with that is when you blow your horn, the person's going to turn. Now, you're on a bike. When you turn your head this way, the, your arm and your whole body's turning that way also. What are you doing but that person's going to veer right into your path yeah. because of the way that they're turning. And, and they turn in their head. So, and not to mention, they run in red lights. They, they, very few of them follow the traffic laws. Oh, yeah, so don't hold me responsible for that. Get these bikes off of the bus routes. It's, it's a danger. It's a, a horrible danger. Well, let me ask you this about buses. You said that they have to have three lanes clearance on both sides. Three, no, feet. three feet. Three feet. Three feet. Three mm-hmm. feet clearance, right? Well, I, well, I, I thought it was four feet. Four, could possibly. Yeah, yeah because four. what it is when somebody swings their door All open. right, let, let's just say... You don't have that clearance. Mm-hmm. I'm not moving this bus until I have that clearance or until this double park moved off the street. Because if any members about preventing it. Right. So they want you to be proactive instead of reactive because all the reaction go come to you and discipline and all this other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't move the bus. Right. And the union should come and say, look, if you don't have in order for us to make change, mess up their service, play by their rules. We ain't have clearance. Oh, no, you could have went around, but I don't have four feet. Are you telling me that? I could go around if I don't have four feet. If I don't have four feet of clearances, it's good. I put it in writing. Right. Because but, see, what the problem is, is it's, it's, they want your eyes to be everywhere. Because not only am I driving down the road, 
I have to look at every car that's parked, whether they're double parked or not. I have to look inside of that car to make sure that there's no one in that car. Because if, again, according to them, if somebody opens up their door and I hit that door, the first thing I'll say, well, did you see the person, someone was in that car? I mean, so not only are you looking down the road to see what hazards may be coming up on you, not only are you looking at the bicyclists, not only are you looking at the sidewalk to see if any children are playing that may run out, you also have to literally look inside of a, 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 a car. If there's a truck there, you have to, as you're coming up, they want, and a lot of people don't know this, but you're supposed to look underneath that truck to see if there's any feet that's about to cross the street. So it's, it's a, not to mention you're supposed to check your mirror every three to five seconds. Now, in that short period, and I didn't even cover any, everything, in that short period of time, where are your eyes supposed to be? And at any given time, things are changing around you constantly. And, but nobody's taking that into consideration. They put these oh, don't, I, I forgot to lean forward, lean back, lean side, you know, to make sure where the blind spots are, you got to make sure that people are not in your blind spot. So with all of that encompassing, how, again, are you expecting me to drive this bus and not have an accident? An accident is just that, an accident. You will never, I don't get, de Blasio can be an idiot all he wants. You will never get rid of all accidents. That's why they have insurance companies. That's why you pay insurance because, well, they're self-insured, but accidents are going to happen. And like you said, uh, Jamel, I mean, Tramel, this is a densely populated area. It, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, you know, another thing I want to point out, you know, going back to it, because, again, you know, that y'all talk about the bus lanes and everything. Again, all of that stuff was created by these politicians. Mm -hmm. And the MTA, they're not going to rock the boat when it comes to these politicians. At all. They're not going to do that because the politicians, you know, they have a relationship with each other. So they're not going to hinder that relationship. So, again, when it comes to these routes – when it comes to these narrow streets, bottom line is they're going to put all the weight and the blame on the union and the members but I'm glad driving you these said buses. That. And I'm glad you said that. And that's why I said going back to the beginning of the show, this union needs to start using the so-called politicians that we supposedly have on our side and make them do some real work. Exactly. Make them come up with don't, – don't give me these failed programs like – uh, the young lady that was running in my district, uh, Ms. Walker, and you seem to be talking about she signed on to Vision Zero. But Vision Zero failed. We, first of all, she's state. Vision Zero is a city law, okay? So don't, that, that failed. We, operators are still being arrested for fatalities in the crosswalk because the standard is actually higher now than it was before. Uh, what due care is a lot is a much tougher standard than uh, negligible is. So it, it, it's, don't hand me that. What else did they say she did? Um... The, the cleaners, uh, getting the cleaners onto the assault bell. Okay, that's something that should have happened years ago. It could have happened since 2012, but the union dragged its feet. That's why that didn't happen, because when the, when the assault conference was held, the part of the assault conference was to get everybody in the transit family included into the assault bell, not just uh, bus operators, train. It was to get every, everybody that was missing, it was to get, include everyone into that program. Transit Authority was going along with that. The MTA was going along with it. The union is the one that canceled that meeting to, to get these cleaners included into that, to that bill. So my thing is this. Don't, don't sit around and, and you did something that should have been done years ago, and now you want to stand up there and break your arm patting yourself on the back because it's something that should have been taken care of years ago. Now, you know what I understand with the union? They've been trying to make their gains off of laws that was go past anyway. Mm -hmm. Just like with this whole, what is it, MTA bus dispatches, what is it? That they bringing them up to $18, $16 an hour 
in 2018. Oh, the 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 uh, 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 right. Oh, yeah, okay. Geez, That's geez. the law. Right. It's gonna be the law during right. that time. So, what gain did you actually get? But not to mention, look how much money they were making before the company fired everybody. It was so like what, twenty dollars an yeah, hour. Right? So, what did you what did you do? <laughs> what did you do? But that showed me that Samuelson is reaching. He's reaching for any kind of gain, notoriety. Notoriety, yeah. He's he's reaching. Yeah, but people have to understand and not sit up there and, and allow this man to pat himself on the back. You got him standing there. You got Earl Phillips standing there. You got Latanya Chris Soray. You got, what's the other guy's name? Oh, Angel Gibbio. Uh, <laughs> I remembered his name, but the, I mean, <laughs> what has he done? Uh, you have to look at this union. It's too, again, this is too much of a party union. It's too much of a parade union. It's just... There's nothing of substance that's being done for the membership. And, and again, it's a popularity contest to where uh, we, we keep letting them off the hook. And mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Yeah, you know, it's got to the point to where they, you know, with these swag bags. Yeah, I went out about that. daily about that. <laughs> they, they feel that they have to impress. They call themselves. Where you get swag bags from? Let's stick to their language. Exactly. You union know, swag. Union swag. What the hell is that? You know, they feel that they have to impress the young urban black youth mm-hmm. that's on the job. No, they, you know what I, I'm I, that was them trying to reach the black black people. That was it. We even go separate it. Urban black youth, older black youth, swag is swag. It ain't they word. No, it ain't they word. <laughs> it's how it word. Exactly. I mean, well, it's how it's how we use it. Well, so y'all are seasoned uh, workers in the, in this system. Y'all older men. What y'all think about the union using that word union swag? Well, as far as I'm concerned, it's uh, it's like trying to, it's like, it's like okay, I, I got a terminology I use with them. They uh, call themselves representing you using smoke and mirrors, you know. They got one hand over here, having you looking over here, and they got a hand behind their back. In other words, you know, it's it's trying to appeal to some uh, a certain group of people, and they just think it. we all listen to that. Listen, if you want to get your point across as far as I'm concerned, you be straight and direct. Say what it is. We're not children here. See, and that's when it comes to, that's why I say things about when it comes to problems, right? We have a situation over in Station's department where uh, uh, it also happened, uh, 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 one of the assistant chief station officers, he decides to make the mobile wash cleaners pull garbage, right? Now, you got refuge, and they get paid extra to pull garbage, and that's their job. But to be on spite and just to put pressure and show the intelligence of your representation, they're going to order them to do it. So he gonna say, a certain individual going to say, well, we're going to do a grievance. Everything is not grievable. Some things you need to talk and let people know we're just not having it. We got categories here, right? And... And uh, a cleaner picks a job in mobile wash, a cleaner pick a job in, in, in stations, and he pick a job in, in refuge, and they're supposed to do their job. But on spike, this individual got them coming on duty. They just pull, they pull garbage for refuge, and then they go out, and then they got to wash the station. That's right. Now, I want to know why the MTA cleaners can't make sanitation salary. They, they could. Wait, wait, wait. And, and, and this is the funny thing. They make a dollar, one dollar extra for driving that garbage truck. And matter of fact, um, that's in the, this is an old contract here. This is a copy of the last contract that Willie James did. 
it's even in there. This is how long they've been making $1 for driving on top of your salary. Now, here you is. I'm in a program, which is the web program. I'm a lead cleaner. I make $1.70. Now, extra for being in that program. Now, which would you rather do? Sling 100, 200 bags a day and make only a dollar extra? Or sit around and do paperwork for about five, six, maybe ten interns and just write and do that paperwork for $1.70? Which one would you rather do? The least physical. Yeah. That's why I came to transit. Yeah. Which, <laughs> I'll take the paper cuts. Which, yeah. which, is, <laughs> which is least stressful on your body. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the, the, the point. So when... People come with these terminology. It just shows when people go for it, it gives them the mental aspect of the workforce, those who fall for it. Those that don't go for it, they know they're the ones that are, are sort of sharp. But it's only does, it's, it, it just gives them a, a perception of your workforce. But you, 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 you use to, I'm childish, sorry, oh, I'm sorry. You use childish words like that, you know. Bottom line is, we're having a rally. We're going to be give out union bags. That's what it's been called when yeah for since forever. So where they get a union swag bag at? I no, don't no, know. no. We ain't, what? they ain't say that on the paper. <laughs> they said they what? said union, union swag. swag. So what is that? I'm I'm asking you that. Now. I mean, that's you, like, you yeah. asking me? Yeah, I'm wondering. You know, because I I couldn't define it yet as far as I'm concerned. I guess that's the same thing as giving somebody a cup of rhythm who, who can't dance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I know. I know what swag is, but yeah, you, but, swag but, but, but union is, swag. My my thing is that who came up with it it's and who slang. said it? Who said it was a great idea? Yeah, first, first of all, first, you you have to give them credit because they they know how to play to the membership, and 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 they use words like swag and then the parties and and the parades and so on and so forth. I can't even tell you. Other than tonight, I don't think I've ever said the word swag. And, you know, if I did, it was because I was reading something with it in there. But as far as using the word swag or whatever the case may be, again, like you said, it's that it's that youthful or that black thing or whatever the case may be. They know how to play to the membership. They have been doing it for years. That's why Samuelson keeps getting elected. You got to give him credit on that. He knows how to play. So now, if, if again, don't get me out there based on gifts. Get me out there based on what you're going to do because to date I have no idea what this contract is about and what we're going out there and what you know what we're. That's that's for. what I'm saying. And that should have been made clear this whole year, right? From January, right? You just thought now what is it September? But let, <laughs> but let me just say this about that. Swag to me refers to either fashion or something of that nature. But to me, this is my perception of it. Swag is for kids teenagers and so forth grown men we have class or we have style exactly period so to equate that with such uh, that type of terminology is like you what you're trying to go out with ain't nobody here teenagers you know well that that's a terminology that you might hear with high school kids or somebody like that and some now, somebody like that now when my it thing comes to grown men you're not going to hear that now my thing with that whole thing is that all right if you want to use union swag then the top four should really have swag. You okay. know what I'm saying? First and foremost, I posted that picture. I found a picture of all four of them together. Now, where I'm from, I use the words, we use the word swag. Mm -hmm. But that picture, we call them swaggerless monkeys. They got no swag whatsoever. Angel Gibbio, he got on a, a, a lumberjack shirt. Mm -hmm. I ain't see that since like 91. You know what I'm saying? With Sam, Biggie talked about it? Yeah, with Biggie, Biggie talked about it. Samuelson always looking like he going to do laundry. Earl Phillips... 
I don't know. He just looked like a great grandfather. Don't know what to do with his time. <laughs> like he belonged down south somewhere. And Latanya, she just dressed like whatever. You know what I'm saying? A guidance they, counselor. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Some type of guidance counselor. You're right. Some yeah. type of guidance counselor. Or something. <laughs> Young there, there's, there's no swag there. So stop, stop. When we come at y'all, and you know we go laugh at y'all. I may even do an article and say, you know, I put Pat Lynch and his people. I put the FDNY and they people. I put sanitation and they people, and I put us and say who look like the swaggerless monkeys in this picture. Mm-hmm. And let's see how far I go. Yeah. Still, well, you know what, Rook? I'm you know, so Rook. Sorry, still having the guidance counselor. Oh. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, real quick, it's one thirty. And we have a late guest that showed up, Mr. Amin Khan, for, uh, former VP of TA Surface. How are you feeling, Mr. Khan? Oh, great, great. I see some familiar faces here today. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, feeling right at home. All right, that's what's up. That's great. You, you should, you know. So, uh, you know, tell everybody about yourself. Give everybody a brief history of, your, of, of who you are. Well, um, you started already, uh, f- Former vice president, director of contract compliance, assistant to the president, I wore all kind of hats. But I'm not here today to talk about me. We're here today to talk about what's happening for this contract. Oh, okay. And interestingly enough today, um, fell right in my lap today, Samuelson. Fell right in my lap today, Shopgate, <laughs> down at Jackie Gleason. Let's hear, let's hear about this. So... Yeah. so Samuelson comes up in there, he, he gives a brief history, he tries to pull the wool over our eyes about the last contract, or why, or poor little guy, why he had to accept such a bad contract. Oh, the, the governor had so much pain, uh, you know, with the economy going down, and it was the best we could do. As a matter of fact, according to him, we did better than everybody. Right. Yeah, he That's said what that. I was saying. Yeah. He said that. It was a bomb back then. Yeah. So, yeah. Na- so, we, so we, now, we did it better than everybody. So now he admits he had to, he had to eat it. Yeah, but in the same voice, he, he jumps out, oh, we're going after wages this time that we didn't get. Yeah, he we're said We're going that. after wages. But more interestingly, you know, that's all the hype. That's all the hype. Something Samuelson said that that got to me. He said, uh, oh, we prepared to do um, whatever we got to do to get a contract for this union. And it means whatever we got to do, we're kicking off the contract November 15th. I want 15,000, 20,000 members in front of two Broadways shouting behind me so that the TA knows that we are coming after them. <laughs> so I say, okay, sounds good. Sounds good. At five o'clock. So I say, I'm sorry. At yeah. five o'clock in the evening, when, when, yeah. they, when the we time coming, will go we back, coming at, be, we coming after dark. them. We coming after them when they leaving work. Right. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Right. Well, he said that would be the contract kickoff date, and he's doing it differently. He said we're not going to a hotel, present demands, have that gentlemanly contract kickoff that we normally do the traditional way. He's doing it different with a big rally, angry rally. In front of two Broadway, and that's where the contract is going to start from. So, I'm saying, so, so John, what are you prepared to do? Let's say your back is up against the wall. What are you prepared to do? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to do um, whatever I have to do. I said, does that mean strike? 
I said, does that mean strike? Are you prepared to strike? He said, yes, I'm prepared to strike this union. He said that too. He said that. He said, I'm prepared to strike if my back is up against the wall and I have, uh, I have some kind of outrageous proposal on the table, I'm prepared to strike. So I say, well, you're the guy who doesn't believe in deadlines. You're not setting a, a contract deadline, right? He said, I don't believe in deadlines. He said, deadlines are an artificial something that backs the union, puts the unions back against the wall. So if there's money on the table, I'm not going to stick to a deadline and leave money on the table. So I, with, that, with that type of philosophy, when does, when does the TA get off the pot, so to speak? Yeah. You know, if we don't have a deadline, they don't have any incentive to settle a contract. And not to mention he ran last, last election where he was stalling off the um yeah he was stalling the contract last election I mean last contract so to sit up there now and and you got all his voice and you talk about the governor was behind the wall behind his back was up against the wall what the hell does that have to do with anything well he's on record as saying um that they the MTA is in a better financial position than they was last contract and he did say that they not ruling out a strike well he's on record cozying up to the governor of the African American Day Parade also. No. Yeah, the African American Day Parade. African American Day Parade or the, uh, no, the, no, the West Indian Day Parade. Or the West Indian Day Parade. Indian yeah. Day parade. And, the, and the labor, and the Central Labor Parade also. He was, it, that's was the parade where they were all holding signs saying, thank you, Governor Cuomo. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Labor Day, yeah. Correct. I'm sound corrected. He didn't come to the African American yeah, Day yeah. Parade. His father was sick again. Yeah. The Central, Central Labor Council Parade. There they were cozying up to Cuomo. Okay. Right. What else did Samuelson say important during this meeting? Important? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Nothing important. He probably, when you spoke, did he get scared? No, no, no. Because you probably remind him of Roger. No, I don't <laughs> the think accent. so. The <laughs> accent. Yeah. I don't think so. Nah, he probably but, had more people in the room. His own people, because no. he, he travels with a crowd. How many people did he have with him, my man? Oh, he had an entourage, yeah. as usual. He, he had to come to Stillwell. He, he had folks from the international... I don't know what they were doing there. What what that guy was doing there? Now I'm gonna tell y'all. I'm, I'm gonna tell y'all. Um, somebody from Texas had hit me. I have a friend. She's in transportation in Texas, and she was like, "I ain't gonna tell you this, cuz." But they was telling, um, they were speaking highly of Samuelson, um, of his work that he's doing up here, and I I couldn't believe that she was sending me this, but she said, um, some guy on her union was saying how hard Samuelson was fighting for our guys, some, some dude named John Bland. John Bland is a, uh, 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 he works at the International. All right, he was down there. He's in the director of transportation. He was down there in Texas telling them how hard Samuelson is, is fighting for us in New York. So, so it's obvious they already started their international campaign. Bland is an international hack. <laughs> you know, one of them guys that goes for everything. He brings everything. Was it, is she from Houston, the Houston local? Yeah, she's from over there. He, John Bland actually negotiated a horrible contract for them and the Miami local. Now, look, check this out. This is what she said. He said Uber was trying to take over the transit down there, and Samuelson said he wasn't going to let that happen. <laughs> you hear that? Yeah. Sam, Uber was going to take over the transit down here, and Samuelson wasn't going to let that happen. He fucked up by not getting them under our union. Exactly. 
You know what I'm saying? I said, yo, can you put me on speakerphone so I could just talk and say that this guy's lying? Yeah, as as a man said, uh, Bland is a is a hack. He's been around for forever. The, the, uh, again, he's one of those guys that have a, seem to have a lifetime union job. That uh, you need somebody with youthful thinking, youthful thoughts. It's not him. Like I said, the last contract that he helped negotiate for the Miami local and the uh, and the uh, Houston local were horrible contracts. I mean, uh, Roth would give backs and, and, and low wages and so on and so forth. So for this guy to be sitting up there uh, rallying John Samuelson and, and he hasn't done a damn thing itself, that just tells you what goes on with the international. I mean, they start in Samuelson International push, yeah. if you ask me. Well, I don't think that, you know, a lot of people under the premise that he's going to take on Lombardo. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. But on, on the local level, we have to look forward to EG Vision having contract demands meeting. Then the contract policy committee formulating those demands into some type of plan to put forward to the transit authority. So there's still a lot to happen for this upcoming contract. And like somebody mentioned here before, we, we're behind the eight ball. We're late. You know, although there's a timeline on contract demands meeting, usually we get a, a head start on it. Organizing. Organizing, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Getting our members ready, getting them into the action, making them believe that uh, we're actually going to get something. I mean, um, if, you look, if you look at the last contract, what did we get? We got a five-year deal, eight percent was it, Harry? Eight percent. Eight percent, yeah. Eight percent. Some ones, 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 and some X's and O's. <laughs> over over five years, the prior contract was eleven and a half percent over three years, and we had about what ten pages of contracts mm -hmm. with um, all kinds of stuff in it. This time around, we had what. Two pages? Like, of, yeah, like, like three, four pages. Three or was, four pages. Well, yeah, a pamphlet, yeah. yeah. A pamphlet. <laughs> right. Church Basically. service called obituaries is longer than that. <laughs> 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 and, look, I want, I want to go on record. Um, and for people who know me out there, I, I did not vote on this contract. Um, I sat on the executive board. It was like total confusion inside there. First we started voting electronically, then we stopped voting electronically because the vote wasn't going through. Then there was a show of hands. There was all kind of confusion. And before you know it, um, the vote was done. And then frankly, there wasn't a uh, proper explanation of what was in that contract to start with. Uh, we got a piece of paper. Um, first, JP leaked, leaked that piece of paper. Well, who knows JP? Uh, he's the current vice president of TA Surface Maintenance and Operators. JP leaked that piece of paper. Uh, we got it maybe about an hour before the meeting. Nobody had time to analyze it. And the meeting was bop, 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 bop. You know, personally, I felt like uh, a piece of bait in a sea of sharks. Because when I got there, and people were speaking, I realized that everybody already reviewed this, this piece of paper, and, and they were like, let's go, let's go. What are we waiting for? Um, let's vote on this. 
So I think um, Michelle Figueroa, to her credit, I think uh, she didn't vote. I'm pretty sure about that. There were two abstentions, and I didn't vote at all. You know, um, in retrospect, you know, I should have just stood up and said um, no on the contract. So no. You know, in retrospect, I should have just stood up uh, as a sole no in the room, um, which I didn't do. You know, if I could have done it over again, this was what I would have done. You know, so um, I'm not apologizing. It's just basically it was a, a rumor confusion. And that progression, the first thing that stumped me was the progression, where they threw cleaners under the bus and all new maintainers under the bus. And Sam is up there saying it's a five-year progression. I'm saying, no, it's, how could this be a five-year five progression? You know, in the fifth year, you ended up with 90%, um, even for the maintainers. The maintainers had a, a little more decent progression. 97% they ended it. Right. But the maintainers had like a 15% increase in between somewhere. I think they had two 15% increases and a 5% increase um, over, the, over the six years. Yeah. Because on the fifth year, you're only going to be 97%. But you notice during that, there's no 100% no listed right. anyway on it. There's no 100% listed, but we, we have to assume... We have to assume Arbitra that we could assume arbitrators don't assume. At the end of the sixth year, well, that at the end at the sixth year mark, you're going to be um, at a hundred percent. Hopefully. Now I said it does says that nobody will remain on a scale. It says progression scale for more than five years. Right. Now, to, it, it's two types of progressions within that thing. It's wage and it's time. Time, right? Which one are they talking about? They made it clear they were talking about the time progression when they say nobody will remain on that progression scale for more than a, exactly. Yeah, it so it, like it was time. only time. It wasn't. It time. wasn't about money, and yeah. that's what I was arguing with this dude in in, in the group with. He told me about I lied and I'm misleading the members when I say they ain't reaching 100. percent I said I'm not saying it. The MOU says, says it. it right. When the arbitrator, when we sit before arbitrator, he's not going to assume. He's going to say what's on that MOU or part of that contract. Bottom line, it's, it's we can assume what we want. We don't count. But at that board meeting, he kept insisting that it was a five-year progression. He kept insisting on that. But the other thing that jumps out at everybody, anybody who's paying attention, what Samuelson has done has divided up this union into all different tiers of salaries. All right. The new people, they're tier six, they're going to pay more into their pension, so they're getting less money. Correct. This progression wage, uh, new progression rate, put people all over the place. All right? So what, what we have is a union where nobody's going to care about anybody. Why me as a senior guy, why am I going to give a shit about them guys in tier six? Exactly. Huh? Why, why am I going to give a shit? I'm not, I'm not losing nothing. Right, I'm paying two percent. They're paying what six percent? Yeah, once we once we make oh. up to a hundred thousand, it's six percent. Yeah. Yeah. So why why am I going to care? You know, um, my my overtime conks. When I work overtime, it conks. <laughs> uh, all right. Not me. <laughs> Your overtime doesn't conk. So why should I care about you? 
You know, so it's a whole divide and conquer strategy. Let's give the guys from Long Island, uh, who live in Long Island, who live upstate, let's give them Pass, something. Passes, yeah. That's a value. So it means that guy is making more money than me. Because he's saving more money by not spending for that pass. Exactly. Yeah. You know? So we have a union with all different tiers of salary. What does an industrial union mean? It means that one for all, all for one. We don't recognize titles. That's why they call me a maintainer. They don't call me a mechanic, right? Um, you are CTA. When I go to the table, I negotiate a percentage across the board for everyone. Not just for mechanics get one pay, cleaners get one pay, uh, uh, people in signals get one pay, you know, as an example. And they, only do, they, only, they don't only do that with money. They do it with AVA days. Certain mm -hmm. departments allow the bank more days. More days, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well... You know, um, I asked Samuelson specifically, I say, are we going to have departmental negotiations at this wrong the collective bargaining agreement? And he said, absolutely. He said, um, oh, we had um, collective bargaining uh, this wrong. Oh, yeah, really? Did we? We didn't. No, Tony, Tony Utano. Yeah, they did. They did. But the problem is, is that you had no experience in those departmentals. So that's why the only one that came back with something was Tony Utano. The rest of the guys, uh, the rest of the VPs had no, other than Nelson, they had no experience. So you talk about sending lambs to go in there with wolves and they got eaten alive. So that was the biggest problem with this round of negotiate, that last round of negotiations that you had. There was, uh, there was no real contract preparation. I mean, Steve gave some classes and stuff. A lot of people didn't show up to him. He spent time, he spent time, I thought I was watching Oprah Winfrey show telling you what <laughs> books to read and this, that, and the other. But there was, there was, but the, the whole problem was, like I said, you had no experience. You got the same thing happening again because there was such a turnover. I mean, here in TA Surface, we're already getting our behinds whipped by uh, management. As a matter of fact, it's amazing. Uh, we just lost a, a, a division, a depot chairman that just became a superintendent. Uh, that seems to be going on pretty rapid. I mean, they're grabbing the best people that they can from out of the union, and we're, less, we're left with the crap. You know, I'm not tooting my own horn here. Uh, the 2005 contract, the 2008 contract, my job was contract coordinator, which means basically the guy that oversees departmental and the general negotiation puts everything in place. Every piece of paper, every conversation that been had at any table, anywhere during these negotiations, this guy in charge of uh, coordinating the contract put that on a piece of paper somewhere. And all that was coordinated and brought together. Informational so, requests. Exactly. So if you had stuff that was making headway in a department, for instance, now, I could call up Chris Johnson, call up Ralph Agritelli, call, call up whomever and say, listen, we're making progress over here and we want this to happen. Roger Tucson wants this to happen. The president of the union wants this to happen. When is it going to happen? So that's how our departments came out with agreements because the president of the union made sure it happened. He had somebody overlooking, overseeing that stuff. So what's going on now? I don't know. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what happened because uh, didn't Joe Bermudez mention this to us, Joe? 
that uh, Samuelson basically minds his business when it comes to the departments. He let the departments run themselves. And, and Joe Bermudez also said that that's the problem that they had with, with Toussaint. Toussaint butted his head too much in certain departments, and it, it created issues where Samuelson is more lax and let the departments run themselves. So, in other words, he's telling me that Toussaint created accountability and Samuelson doesn't. Yeah, well, well, you know, that has its upside and its downside, you know, because the departments, the VPs, the chairs in those departments, they need the push of the president's office behind them to get something done, right? Correct. Well, it's too much of, the, like, it, to me, it's a horrible thing because it's, uh, you, you're so afraid, and that's what Samson's problem is. He's not doing that because he believes in it. He's doing that because he doesn't, want to piss those people off in those departments and then he may lose them because they got him elected or whatever the case may be. Or he, he doesn't want to upset those people by stepping on anybody's toes because then they may not vote for what he wants them to vote for on the e-board. That's, that's <laughs> where that comes from. It's not a, a policy that he believes in that's going to help move this union forward. That policy is based on fear. Wow. Right. It's about votes. It's not about accountability. Like we, you know, we've been talking about, we want, you know, uh, accountability within our offices. Roger Toussaint didn't have to go into every division. He had to go into the ones that weren't doing their jobs. And Samuelson needs to be watching them. If he's not doing that, then he's not doing his job. And those divisions and the people that are complaining in those divisions that their reps aren't representing them, that's because the president isn't pushing them because they're allowed to do what they want to do. If Joe Bermudez wanted to talk about that and say, hey, you know what, um, you know, he, he stays out of our business, that's not a good thing. That might be a good thing for you as an individual, but it's not a good thing for the 6,500 members that you represent. Because what does that tell you, basically? That, that basically tells you that you have a president who's uninformed. So... When, when those negotiations fell in departmentals, now they're going to go to the main table. If he's been keeping his nose out of the business all of this time, how can he now sit there and negotiate for any department when he has no idea what's going on? Because now everything is going to be coming at him all at one time. Where if you constantly was involved in those departments, you know what those issues are. You wouldn't be waiting till the last and, minute. And that's correct. And even for my department, Samuelson as a president, he should survey his reps. Who actually won these positions because of um, issues or they won because of popularity? RTO was a big popularity contest. Those buses. <laughs> oh, yeah. Forget it, of course. Thank you, Harry. Yeah. So he should be more involved with the departments, hands on, until, no, but, until you know, he has trust in his offices. I, I guarantee you Samson don't have trust in his offices. No, it's, it's too much, again, when you, when you uh, get uh, – non-informative and people don't know what's going on when those people get elected they have to rely on the president they because they have no knowledge of how to acquire anything that they need to acquire for their department so you're basically uh like i said uh i never forget years ago when we went to the first convention with roger and 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 uh, i think the iraq war the first iraq war was going on and dick gregory was uh, one of the speakers and he made a comment about how the united states was claiming air superiority over Iraq. He said, that's like me going into a kindergarten and beating up a bunch of kindergartners and say I'm superior over them. <laughs> so that's, that's what you have in these departments. You have a bunch of uh, uninformed, uh, one of your biggest things, uh, uh, Tramel, uneducated uh, people 
uh, that don't know how to go out there and how to negotiate. There's, I mean, we've basically taken this summer off. And now we're going we gonna to kick things into high gear? We should have been kicking things last year when the Transit Authority was putting out all kinds of information about its employees, all kinds of derogatory information about its employees turning the public against us. But we're going to kick things into high gear now. I mean, we took the entire sum off, which is ridiculous. So how serious are you? <laughs> he's not serious. No, he's not. They're like they're, what you said, November 15th is the actual date to start negotiating, right? Right, November 15th, contract kickoff. Organizing should have started January 15th. <laughs> and people have to understand where I'm coming from. They may sit up there, oh, he's so pessimistic, you know, and this, that, and the other. You got to remember, I sat there and I watched these people come up with a contract plan to stall until after the international election. Well, so I'm not going to have any faith in you. you. I mean, I hope and pray that he does a great job. So I, he, he says, uh, uh, my plan, I got two main goals. To come back with a reasonable uh, wage, reason, reasonable wage raise. Did you ask? I, did you happen to ask him what that what the number was? I'm not so stupid, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So he says he's going to come back with a reasonable wage <laughs> raise and to protect our health benefits. He said that's his two main goals. And that's his main focus for this contract. Which means an increase again, I guess. Right. Exactly, yeah, protect it. Because, because where's the danger? Yeah, where's the danger? Right. <laughs> now, now, I don't consider you being pessimistic. I consider you being realistic. And I'm going to say that because this. Samuelson keep talking that he's not going to rule out a strike stuff. Can your members afford the strike? Are you, are you financially prepping your members to even think about you need to put a little bit more to the side just in case if we do strike. That's just tough talk. Yeah, if Samuelson he, doesn't have the no, balls he's, to I strike know, this know, union. No, I know he's not. But still, even to make it to make it sound good, start prepping your members. You know what I'm saying? Look, we may go on strike this year. I advise y'all to put a little bit extra money out to the side. You ain't do that. You ain't even the rally is starting November What's today's date? September what? September what? So they planning this rally in November, 22nd. right? Twenty third. Basically two months. Basically two months ahead of time. But see, that's the that's the that's the fear, and and again, that, that that's embedded in me because of 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 watching these guys work. You're not going to start talking strike right off the bat if you had a, a, some other plan. If there was a plan, again. I'm kind of worried. Is 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 a deal done already? Is something done? That's what I, I think. believe. So I you believe know, so. I, yeah, it, this this union has always well prior to Samuelson. You look at every president prior to Samuelson. They always set a deadline for contract negotiations. Um, prior to us switching from a, a city entity to a state entity, it was always city all had their backs against the wall. They had to come to an agreement with Quill, John Law, whoever was the president of this local, at a certain time. We had a deadline. Samuelson says, I'm not going to set artificial deadlines. I'm not going to put my back against the wall, that's what he's saying, with an artificial deadline. Because if I put my back against the wall, it means that I'm going to have to do something by the deadline. And if there's money on the table, I'm not going to leave it leave money on the table because, you know, I, I just shut myself in the foot with an artificial deadline, which is nonsense. But it's asinine because whenever you sign a contract, 
how you know you never leave money on the table no matter when this whenever you decide to sign it you may you may sign it and still left money on the table. But in that initial radio interview, didn't he say a deadline is a deadline? He did say that. Okay, so should, should I play it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, should we play the remix? That's my point. I mean, again, you, you, you're putting so many different things out there. If you were serious, and this wasn't about politics and this, that, and the other, Amin Khan, again, uh, contract compliance officer. Assistant to the president. Here it is. You got another assistant to the president, uh, um, 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 chief of staff, uh, division chair. You got Joe Campbell. You got Anthony Staley. You, you got Al Jenkins. You got yourselves. You, in, in this instance, if I'm the president of this union, I'm bringing everybody in. I'm gonna when the, when I go to the table, I'm gonna have Roger Toussaint sitting behind me. I'm gonna have every former live president that's still alive from Local 100 sitting behind me because that speaks power to the MTA because it's something that hasn't been done. When you bring in people, if you're serious about obtaining a, a just contract for your membership, you're bringing everybody in. You're not just going to stick to those people that voted for you because, again, this is not about election. This is about getting a good contract for our membership. Let's listen to one more time okay, to what no. Samuelson had to say. All right, no problem. And, with Joe, and what Joe Loda had to actually... Uh, Rebuttal more. Okay, cue it up. We're talking about a a job that has dangers. And I don't think that's uh, realized sometimes in negotiations. Um, And what's going to be your different approach this time around? Right. So this time around, the organization that we have on the ground uh, among rank and file transit workers is much stronger than it was uh, in 2012. Uh, We have uh, been doing a lot of organizing. Uh, in the seven years that I've been president, both internal organizing and external organizing, uh, we have no intention uh, in, of, in this round of bargaining of making any kind of public pronouncement that there won't be a strike deadline set. Uh, we're going to go back to the more traditional transport workers union local 100 model of establishing a deadline. That'll that'll be that that deadline will be the product of a discussion with our executive board, which hasn't happened yet. The negotiations won't begin till November. But we do expect it to be a very different type of negotiation. This is Joe Loda now rebutting Samuelson. It got to a point where they didn't know what to do. So in 19 separate times, they said, you know what? We're not coming to the table. You can't negotiate with somebody who's not willing to come to the table. What do you say, not know what to do? I mean, I don't, I, I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not sure that the leadership of the Transit Workers Union knows how to negotiate a contract. Oh they, the, the, the president of the Transit Workers Union right now has never negotiated a contract in his life. Uh, that's insulting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he said that. He so you saying that he's saying no debt, no deadline, but no right debt. here he said it's a deadline. Right. I'm sorry I didn't have that song bite today to play. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. You would have blew up that you would have blew up that swing room, man. Yeah. But see, he's the king of telling people what they want to hear. He's that's what he's he's good at. I mean, he's got his people out there, and they're listening, and they're going back, and they're telling him, like I said, when, the, when his last contract first came out, was the first thing that he sold? Retro money. That was the first thing that he sold. That, you know, if you made X amount of money, you're going to get this. That, I mean, I've never seen anybody put that out before. Never. I mean, it, it's, 
it's insane, and, and it has to stop. All right. Well, it's, it's, it's that time. Yeah. You know what? We got to do this. We got to do this again. Harry, I'm sorry, but you have to take off another day work for work, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait with you. I can't wait when you do retire because you can come up here with no one. I even have to worry about work. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Yeah, 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 well, man. Of course, every time Harry I see you. I ain't worrying them, about work now. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> that's the one thing every time I see one of them, that's the first thing they ask me. When am I going to retire? I, I bet you. Now, I, don't, I don't know if you've been in the boss office or here more <laughs> actually here <laughs> oh, okay that's good <laughs> all right so all right so basically what we this is what we do at the end of the show to where uh we you know everybody gives their final synopsis and their final word or, st- or statement to everybody out there listening yeah we just need to make it quick though because it's, it's the time all right. yeah again i'm going to reiterate uh don't think that i'm against uh samuelson i hope and pray that this man does bring us back a a livable wage not a decent wage or a fair wage but a livable one i'm going to say to the people in the station's department uh cleaners and all we have to unite and be serious about what we're trying to achieve here i mean we we have to look at this as uh, as a situation that's going to be far-reaching into our homes as far as our, of getting a decent raise and changing the way we're treated in our department. Okay, Mr. Jenkins? Unity is definitely the key. We are divided in a whole different level, on so many levels in this union. And unity is definitely the key to uh, unifying this local. Right. And changing the process. Correct. And I hope that everyone will get their dues paid up. <laughs> Sound good. You know, I'm praying that Samson does come back with a good contract. But for the folks out there who this is going to affect the most is the new folks. The folks who got stuck in that tier six, who got stuck in this progression. Those are the folks who need to wake up. They are the future of this local 100. They need to educate themselves. They need to get every piece of information they can then have and join in this contract fight. I agree with you 100,000% oh, on that. Definitely. Joe, come on, Joe, real quick, Joe. <laughs> okay, real, real quick. Um, this was great. I, I, I love seeing everybody here. Everybody here is a dedicated union person. We have to do more shows on this topic. We're going to talk about specific demands. I hope next time we get we get a little more specific on it. Um, but right now, I think that they're listening to us, and we have the power right now to move them in the direction that we want them to go. Good night, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening. Well, we ain't got to say nothing, cause. Oh, you, you want to say something? Yeah, I mean, I'll say something real brief. You know, basically, you know, to piggyback off of what everybody said. Uh, you know, I enjoyed this show tonight, the meeting of the minds. You know, um, basically, just like Joe said, I want to get more members down here to talk on progressive action and, and, and voice their opinion of what's going on. Because, see, that's what it's about. That's what unionism is. Basically, you know, Tremel and myself, you know, we visited the uh, station's meeting today. And basically, we didn't have to because we're not in that department. But because we're progressive action and because we want to see unity amongst everybody, and get everybody involved because just like he said in these operation operational departments you are one or two dans away from being a cleaner or a station agent you know getting knocked down to it so basically you know nobody should be a prima donna everybody should want to come and you know hope and stand in solidarity with everybody and fight and and also 
make sure that we, you know, rally for a fair and just contract, you know. I mean, as much as we talk about Samuelson and the administration and everything, it's like, listen, you know, we want, you know, bases are loaded and we want them all just bring it on home. All right. That's tonight's show. Thanks, everyone, for coming out tonight. I definitely appreciate it. It was good. We got to do this again. Yeah, definitely. And like Joe said, we're going to be more specific. And, you know, we're, more information to filter through to us about what we hand about this contract. So we definitely going to approach this. Hopefully, we could probably get more people, you know, some women. Yeah. We could talk about their issues, too. Again, we'll revisit that. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know oh, yeah, but, but we're definitely going to have this meeting in the minds yeah. again show. But, th know? but thanks for coming out. Thanks for everybody tuning in. We catch y'all next week. Peace. Have a good night, everybody.